Hi, this is Tamar Yona. I'd like to remind you that Israel News Talk Radio has branched out into video programs. You're listening to an interview originally recorded on video. If you would like to hear and watch this interview, simply go to our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com and click on the black menu bar which runs near the top of the page and click on the tab for videos. There you'll find all of our video interviews. Enjoy! Welcome to Israel News Talk Radio's The Tamar Yona Show. I'm Matt Zucker, Tamar's humble producer. What would you say if you heard that our guest is an Arab who was born Muslim and converted to Judaism? Yeah, that's right. And you can imagine it's a pretty amazing story behind that. I'd like to introduce you to Timur David Aklin. Timur is trilingual. He speaks fluent English, Hebrew, and of course, Arabic. His maternal grandparents are from Saudi Arabia. Egypt and Yemen. His paternal grandparents are from Turkey, Jordan, and Syria. All are devout Sunni Muslims. Timur, on the other hand, is now considered an apostate, and everything goes along with being one, which will unfold in this exciting interview. Timur also runs a nonprofit organization, HIPS, I'm sorry, HIPS, hidden in plain sight, where he advocates for Jewish rights in Israel using his unique leverage as a born Muslim. He strongly opposes Islam and has criticized its founders harshly. You can visit his website at www.hips.co.il. And now, without further ado, Tamar Yona, take it away, Tamar. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Timor. It's great to have you, you on. For having me. All right. So I think that, you know, people hear about an Arab that converted to Judaism. It's like, oh, wow, out of the box story. And so I think we should just get down to the foundation of you just telling us your background and growing up where, how, how you were raised and then how you decided you wanted to become Jewish. I was born and raised in this very house um, here in Tel Aviv, Yafo. And I never really wanted to be a Jew. I never meant for this to happen. I never planned this. It just it happened. And I'm glad it did. Uh, it was definitely a very tough upbringing. And the way Judaism just clicked with me, it was surreal. It was, uh, it was almost biblical. I don't want to be uh, arrogant or feel like, but I do feel like I have this connection uh, between me and uh, the Aloha. I say, I say Aloha for uh, Elo. Kim. Elo Kim. Mm. God. Yes. yes. But I, uh, yeah, I tend to say that more than Kim. Uh, I, I try to, it doesn't matter what I do, I always try to do it differently. Uh, I always okay. like to make my own way in Judaism. Even my tzitzit is unique. You know, I had a custom made. Uh, they're always, um, like, I have a short on one side and extremely long on the other one. Like, it almost goes down to my ankle, but not it doesn't touch the ground because you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to drag it. And um, how did I become a Jew? It's, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was just a journey of trials and tribulations. And okay, I feel first, like first why don't you tell us where you were born and how you were raised. Tell us a little bit about your background first. Well, I was born and raised in Yafo. Um, I grew up here. My that's Jaffa in English for that's those who Jaffa. don't know, right near Tel Aviv. Okay. Right. So that's Jaffa. I was born and raised here. I moved out of Israel when I was 17 because I had like extremely high emotional intelligence. And I just felt like 
I didn't belong here. I felt like we didn't belong here as Arabs. It was strange. And it's not like I didn't feel like, uh, um, it's not like I felt like we should be kicked out or anything that, that, that wasn't, that wasn't my uh, mindset, but I just felt like, you know, there is Ritsonoshil Makom. And uh, Rabbi Yohanan says, Okay. So there's the will of a place and the place has a will and we have to surrender to its will, right? So some people say the Jews, um, Israel doesn't belong to the Jews, the Jews belong to Israel. You know, they belong to this place, like the, this place owns you and many people when they say for example like they take it to an arrogant place when they say chosen people but i always saw it in the sense where it's like the jews are chosen to be slaves of god <laughs> the jews are chosen to be servants. Uh, to worship god servants yes. yeah, yeah servants uh like they cling on to god where uh, where other nations uh don't as much but i felt like we all have our own um connection to the aloha and we all have to serve him differently, like you said, servants. And I, I grew up as a Muslim, and it, it didn't, it wasn't enough. Uh, I didn't feel it. Uh, the were you religious Muslim when you were a Muslim? Right. I was a religious Muslim until I was like uh, maybe 15. 16. So you prayed five times a day. Yep. You went to the mosque. You were sincere. And okay. Prayed, uh, fasted during Ramadan. Uh, I never and your got whole to do family the was like that as well? Yeah, my mother wears a hijab, my grandmothers, both of them wear hijabs, my aunts wear a hijab, um, everyone in the family, like, uh, I have 14 uncles, like, my mother has 13 siblings, my dad has six, so altogether, they're like about 20, uh, of course, some of them were dead before I was born, so I never got to meet them, but it was a very Muslim family. Uh, it, like if you would go into my mother's house, you would see Islamic writings all over the wall. Some of them are painted. Some of them are just, you know, like pictures, frames. It's, it's something that followed me everywhere. And when I joined, when I began uh, researching Judaism and when, be, when I began uh, feeling this connection towards uh, the Bible and the Torah, I felt like so many things that I was doing already it's just like, I'm now I'm doing them in Hebrew. <laughs> so in Hebrew, when we wake up, we say, right, so, yes. in, so in Arabic, we have something similar. So when we wake up, we say, which is like, we have awakened, like we are awake and we have awakened to God's kingdom, you know, to the kingdom of God, which is like the whole universe. Right. And eventually I just... Um, I, I, I wasn't having it with Islam. I just felt like uh, their accusations of the Jews didn't click because I was reading the stories. Uh, also, as a kid, I would study the Bible, too, at school. But it wasn't a Jewish school. They, it was just when part of When you say the, the Bible, uh, you mean what? The Quran or the Torah? No. Uh, the Bible means the, the Bible, like Tanakh. Okay. That's what the Bible means. That's the Torah <laughs> we, we, and all the writings, the prophets, etc. The Tanakh. Exactly. Ktovim oh. and Nevim. Uh, Muslims never refer to Quran as Torah or as the right. Bible. It's just right. Quran. Rightfully so. Quran. Okay. <laughs> yes. Can I ask so, you, I, I want you to slow down just a little bit because I want to ask you, you said that you started to get interested in Judaism. Did you have Jewish friends? You, you're in Yaffa. It's right next to Tel Aviv. There's a lot of Jews around you. You didn't have Jewish friends. So then what made you all of a sudden start thinking, maybe 
Allah and Islam, it's not right. Maybe the Jews really have the truth. Like what brought you to that place where you even started to do research? Arab extremism. <laughs> I think it was Arab extremism. I think it was education that I received uh, at school uh, that would teach us a lot of anti-Jewish stuff. Uh, it, it wasn't hostile to the point where they were educating us to go out and kill Jews or anything of the sort. I wasn't like raised in Palestine because over there, like uh, in Palestinian cities, uh, I should say, uh, it's it's very hostile. Like the actual curriculum at school, the syllabus, whatever it is you're learning, it always has like a Jew comes and kills an Arab, plus, does, you know, it's either math or science or whatever, like they can, they're always mixing stuff. It okay, wasn't I, like I want to stop you there again. I'm sorry I'm interrupting you, but I think it's important what you're saying. I remember seeing math books years ago where they say you have 10 Jews and you kill five of them. How many do you have left? So that's <laughs> yeah. the, that were actually the textbooks that you were learning from as well, or teachers? No, were no, no. No, no. Uh, so we, we had different, we had up? mild stuff. We had, we, were, we weren't allowed to have something like that because at the same time we were under Israeli, uh, you know, the Ministry of Education, you know, they have to approve you our material the and stuff. Authority. Right, okay. Right. So, no, and, no, it's not the Palestinian Authority. In right. the Palestinian territories, it's like that. So they yes. don't care. But yes. in Israel, you can't have that. But right. you could have the national anthem, you could praise Palestine, you could praise Yasser Arafat, you could praise, you can learn the history where uh, the occupier, occupiers came and occupied your land, kicked you out, murdered you. So that kind of indoctrination we definitely had. But right. it was, okay. like I and, said, mild. And your home, was it, was it a home that you were raised in where they were also a bit more peaceful and didn't like all the trouble that the terrorists and the the slander against the Jews, they, they didn't like it as well, or they were lock, stock, and barrel in it as well, and you were different than everybody? No, it was just, uh, they were two-faced. It was double standards. So on the outside, they would show, like, uh, the average folk, uh, they would show, like, you know, if they knew Jews, or just in public, you have an opinion, and at home, you have a different opinion. And wh so what were home, they? Well, at home, it was definitely very hostile, just like almost every single Arab home out there. Like every Arab home out there, it's like it's anti-Jewish, anti-Zionist. It's uh, just dehumanizing Jews. Uh, so you don't have this like, you know, so you don't grow this likeness towards them. But um, outside, you know, they're like, oh, we deserve rights too. Oh, we should be equal. Oh, this. Because the way I see it is like this. It's like Arabs when they are, uh, you know, when, when they're a minority, they're like, we need more rights. Why can't we have more rights? Why can't you take care of us? When they have some rights, it's like, we should have more rights. Once they are like the majority, they're like, do as we say or else. So <laughs> that's how I felt uh, growing up. And I knew that. And they know that too. And it's just a matter of time before uh, they're able to get that. Unfortunately, those who are going to help them with that quest are, um, I, I don't want to like tarnish anyone's uh, but it's, it's it's the lefties. It's, it's they're not cases. I speak to a lot of uh, left wing Jews, and I feel like they're a bit delusional in that sense because they don't understand that the real agenda is to deceive everyone and just uh, drive them to the point where there's no coming back, the no return point. And unfortunately, I feel like it's going to happen unless we do things that are meaningful, like the reform that we're trying to do right now, which is extremely important, in my opinion. Just today, I was reading the on the news. The judicial reform, yeah. Yeah, the judicial reform. 
They're calling it a judicial overhaul. It's a reform. <laughs> so I so when you started to research about Judaism, did you have to hide that from your family? Were you kind of afraid and apprehensive to do that? Did you feel like it had to be secretive? Not so much because I was always a loner. I was always like a very quiet guy. I don't really mess with anyone. I keep everything to myself. I never really had friends uh, growing up. I never had friends at, at school. Uh, I never had an Arab friend, like not even a single Arab friend. Uh, I never had a Jewish friend either. Um, I got married really early on. I was 17 when I got married. I had my daughter when she was 19. Wait, was that an arranged so marriage? No, it wasn't. But I was very religious and always thought, you know, when you're 17, you should meet your partner and then you should like learn to love the person you marry and you should like build a future together and grow together. And it's like your partner. And it's really like Lech Lecha, which is Parashat Lech Lecha, whatever I'm being. Right. A lot of our listeners that don't know Hebrew won't know what that is, but it's uh, one of the story of uh, Abraham when he leaves uh when he comes to the promised land. So uh, so you got married. Are, are you still married? No, I got a divorce when I was 20. When I was 21, basically, I was officially divorced. And, and then, did, did you know, your conversion, converting to Judaism have to do with that? No, 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 no. Okay, so you converted later. At what age did you convert finally? It's, it's a really tricky question because I received the official recognition only when I was 28, but I, I, there was like a really long process. So when does it really count? You know, if you're praying for years, if you're practicing for years, if you're studying for years. So for me, it started when I was 21. When I was 21, the, around that time, I really enjoyed the lessons. I really enjoyed uh, Rabbi Abraham Tversky's Zechet uh, Tzadik Levacha. I enjoyed his philosophy. I enjoyed his explanations. Uh, I really fell in love with the Rambam, Rambam's philosophy. And when I came across many secular Jews who were trying to like, um, you know, they, they were trying to walk, uh, walk down Judaism and kind of like say things that aren't really nice. You know, all the people of, from the Bikor Tamikra, uh, if you know them and stuff like that. So they were using some of the um, the guide, the guide to the perplexed, right? Yes. Their yes. Yes. So they were using it, and I felt like they were just like they misunderstood it because for me it was like it was beautiful. I enjoyed it, and I felt like I was like, mm, okay, well, first of all, it's in Arabic. Uh, it's for Arabs at the time, at least. Uh, it wasn't just for Arabs because most of his writings were in Arabic, but he also had uh, Judaic, Judaic Arabic. Right? There was like Arabic Yehudait, and sometimes it would be like Arabic that he would um, write in Hebrew letters. So he'd use the uh, Hebrew alphabet, and then it would be like actual Arabic sounds. So uh, I learned a lot from the things that he was teaching, and I felt like it's just it was it was like a song. And every year, every month, every once in a while, it was like a verse that would just click. And another verse and another verse and another verse and then i began having crazy dreams and i never really again like i never thought i was going to convert i never actually to be honest i never thought it was an option i never thought it was possible i even when i was studying judaism stuff for whatever reason the term girl the term uh like uh convert uh, yes so it, it kind of like slipped I, I never came across the word, it, and it was very strange because it's almost everywhere. Tzedek in Shmonasre and the 18th, the prayer, and, and many things in some of the stories. Um, 
but it, it just it slipped for years. And then eventually I, I didn't want to convert, but I just it it was so powerful. It was it was I just wanted to practice. I wanted one day I just wanted to be minyan because it was I don't know, old filot minyan nishmaot, you know, all of the minyan prayers are heard, but it wasn't really so difficult to explain why I did it. Sometimes I, it's it's also the hardest question because that's what they ask you at the Beddin. So when you go into the to walk into the Beddin, they ask you like, why do you want to be a Jew? And I was like, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna slow you down for a second. For people who don't know Hebrew, when he's saying that he wants to daven with a minyan, it means that he wants to pray with a quorum of ten men. So you would go to synagogue, and you have uh, uh, at least ten men there. This is where where you go to pray. And when he says he goes to a Beit Din, it means he went to a court of, of Jewish law where the rabbis are and they, they decide on, on the, the code of Jewish law. And, uh, and and they do also, they have a conversion uh, court also where they can convert people to Judaism if they feel that they're honest and true. Okay, so let, I just want to get your story straight. So you said you were raised in Jaffa. Your parents were typical Sunni Muslims. Your mother wears a hijab, so does the rest of your family. They didn't uh, care for the Jews. Uh, they would talk nicely outside, but inside they would... Uh, Praise terrorists. They would praise the terrorists. And little by little, you just felt uh, disjointed from from Islam. And you started to look into Judaism and you start what what, you just started to pick up books. Did you go purposely? Did you find a book? How did it where was that switch? Kaddish. Uh, I heard Kaddish the very first time and I was crying and I couldn't stop crying for hours. Okay, so Kaddish is a prayer that you say for the dead. Where did you hear that? YouTube. So you went up on YouTube and just flipped up. Nope. On your sh- no, I didn't look up. No, it just uh, it just popped up, and I uh-huh. heard the words, and I was like, "Why does it sound so familiar? Like, why are these words just like they ring a bell?" And I started crying and crying and crying, and I listened to the Kaddish. I think for about three days straight, and then I was going for a run, and I was the Kaddish was in my headphones, over and over and over and over again, but it was a Yemenite Kaddish. And it is an extremely long Kaddish. It's not like the regular ones. So now I know all of the Kaddishim. And I, I can tell you where's the difference in every Kaddish, even hmm. the smallest letter. For example, the Yemenites, they say, V'yimloch. And where in like in the regular Kaddish for Sephardim, Ashkazim, they say, V'yamlich. So for example, when they say, La'illa in the Kaddish, for uh, Yemenites, they say two times, La'illa, La'illa. So, but it's like, so I know the accent, the Yemenite accent, everything is different. There are extras in the uh, Yemenite Kaddish. Uh, for example, they also, the big one, the Kaddish that they use all the time is not they say so it's, it's all, but it's, it's it was amazing. Okay, you're confusing people because <laughs> they, they, they don't understand that. But um, all right, so then you just started to get turned on to Judaism and then you just started gathering more. In the meantime, you said you got married and you had a daughter? We had a daughter, yes. And uh, then when you were 21, for whatever reasons, you decided to part. That must not have been easy. I imagine in Islam to get a divorce is a very big thing. Yes or no? It was, uh, yes. 
it was very painful for me psychologically to do that. I felt ashamed and embarrassed and I felt like I failed like in everything. Like, oh, I was so just it was 20, her decision? 21. It was her uh, decision? It was a mix. It was uh, a mix because she wanted a lifestyle that didn't uh, sit well with me. Um, she was actually four years older than me and she wanted to party you know she wanted to party she wanted to enjoy her life she's like i'm young i'm not going to be young again i want to go with my friends so basically one thing led to another she went to a party in a lot and then we started having this crazy feud at home where we were just fighting all of it all the time because of her friends because of the people she was hanging out with and i was very childish and young so i would use you know i would use you know, improper names for friends and like, oh, these are your friends. These are the type of people you're with, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, okay, you know what? We're done. So your wife and... was not wearing a hijab. No, 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 no. All right. So no. she wasn't such a re religious Muslim. Okay. And so you yeah. parted ways. And then you said you just started learning more and more about Judaism. It was like a process. And when did you decide that you, you're going to go to a, a court? of Jewish law, a bit din, and actually get a conversion. Did you go through a conversion program through a yeshiva? I didn't go through a yeshiva. I went through a three-year conversion uh, program. It's meant to be one year. Um, I got scared. I kind of chickened out. Uh, I didn't want to go to the uh, bed din. I was like, I enjoy this. I enjoy the learning process. I enjoy everything. Why do I need to go there? I was just like intimidated kind of by three Diane were sitting there. I was like, what are they going to say to me? Yeah. yeah, three judges. So I was like, what are they going to say? Maybe they'll, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was a scary experience just thinking about going there and meeting them. And then after one year, um, I went to do Tikhatik, uh, basically opening a file. They open, they open the file for you to make it official. So basically you are registered at that point. You are now recognized. They know who you are, but you have, you did not, complete the process but they know who you are they know you started so they have all of your information they ask for my uh, uh divorce certificate they ask for my marriage certificate uh, they ask pretty much for a lot of stuff and they ask me to you know just every document possible um and then uh, afterwards uh it was a very emotional encounter because i did not expect uh it to be very warm and welcoming by two dayanin by two judges uh the third judge was not my friend <laughs> the third judge was like tell this crazy jewish woman who would talk to you into this that you're not supposed to do this okay and they, they thought you were in love with a jewish woman and that's yeah. why you wanted to convert uh, i was single <laughs> yeah but they said that uh, but, uh, Interesting. and they were like yeah and it's like tell that crazy jewish woman who's talking to all of this i'm like no one's talking to me into anything i'm just like I, it's I, I like it you know i'm enjoying this and he was very negative and uh, but one of the day one of the judges uh, he was about to retire and he said i feel something and it was really interesting and he said it was during uh, parashat veyeshev and parashat veyeshev it's about joseph yes so he was telling me he was telling me you know uh I'm thinking about Joseph right now because it's the parasha and I'm thinking about you and I'm looking at you and I'm thinking about how Joseph became the governor of Egypt and his words were, you know, like he became, uh, they were, they were so influential and I'm looking at you and 
I want to believe that this is sincere. I want to believe that you are real. I want to believe that what you're saying is true. I want to believe that you are not playing me, you're not playing us. And I hope that it's true. And if that's the case, I would like to welcome you to the Jewish people. And I would like to welcome you to a world that is full of good because I know you belong here. And so it was very motivating. So I got emotional at that point. And then the other uh, the, uh, the other judge, um, he, he was also kind of supportive, like, you need to be serious. You should get married this year. You should find yourself a good girl, settle down. I'm like, I still didn't finish conversion. And he's <laughs> he already looking for a shidduch for me. I'm like, well, yeah, it's, give it some time. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Um, as and, and was this the big, was this like, you know, a lot of people are going to ask, was this a kosher bait? Was it a kosher court? Was it, was it from the government of Israel in Jerusalem? Yeah. It, it was, was the main rabbinate of Israel. The, the main, main rabbinate. Okay, so it's completely Israel. Okay, all right. And Orthodox. so how? And so you said it took you three years to finally convert. Yes. All right. Okay. And did you feel in any way that anybody was suspect that because you're Arab, maybe you're trying to infiltrate into the Jewish people, and I don't know, be a double agent or or something? Who knows? Yeah, just on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, so your so your peers on the social media thought so, but not the rabbis. No, not my peers. Just total strangers uh -huh. would uh, draw assumptions and make accusations. And to this day, some of them do. But no, no one during the learning process did that. But because I would ask questions all day, every day. You know, I I was on the phone. To this day, I'm talking to my teachers from. Uh, from school you know it's called native native yes. means basically a route a routing uh, a path yes i think so uh i went to that school and i had three different teachers over there uh, adiel ben shachar uh, ephraim oren and shira hirshenzon so it was it was crazy because at one point i told them look i don't think this will work like i enjoy all of this but i don't think they will accept me i don't think i will be accepted i don't think the judges will accept me I don't think Obex was like, listen. So Shira was telling me, she's Arabanit. So she would be like, listen, those who are going to love you and accept you are going to love you and accept you because of who you are and not in spite. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that? I'm like, yeah. And it's like, what you're doing, I know you're researching, I know you're studying, I know you're looking for answers, I know you're in this. So I believe in you. And I got so emotional. I was like, but she barely knows me. She only knows me for a few months. So how? And then uh, Oren and Adiel, and they were so supportive. They were they're amazing people. And by you know by you know by the spirit of the Adacha, you're not really supposed. Yeah, you're not really supposed to help converts so much or encourage them because basically you're supposed to make it really difficult for them. So they don't really like the idea of converting. So they don't join. You kind of like you wanna break them down so i i, I want to stop you for a second there to explain to our listeners that because judaism doesn't encourage we don't force people to convert to judaism if you want to be a convert the the custom is that the rabbi will tell you no three times he'll send you away three times that's a custom uh because they want to make sure that you really 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 want it because it's hard to be a jew and 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 they're always worried that also that maybe someone wants to become a jew because they have ulterior motives they want to marry a jewish boy or a jewish girl whoever goes to convert and it's not easy to be a, to, to be a jew and and if and if they're going to take you into the judaism they have to know that you really that it's like 
I just want to be Jewish. I have to, I, I want to die. If I can, it has to really burn inside of you. And if it doesn't burn inside of you, if it's not your passion that you really want to be close to God and serve God as a Jew, because you can serve God as a Gentile, but if you want to become a Jew, you have to really, really invest. And they want to make sure that the person is, is straight and honest and sincere, because if he does later on, or she later on, uh, they convert and then they stop doing the mitzvot, they will, you know, there's a, as a Jew, there's a consequence to it with God, you know, so they want to prevent people from sinning also, because again, people do not have to be Jewish. You could be a righteous Gentile and that's fine with God. You're still God's child and, and God loves you. Okay. All right. So when this happened, what was the reaction of your family? Did your mother like sit Shiva in the Islamic way? Like, like what was with your parents? Um, she 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 thought of you. It was a joke. Um, I was I wasn't like we we didn't have a great relationship. We we never had a great we never had anything like she didn't really raise me so much. Like she supported me financially growing up as a kid. She bought me books. She brought me clothes. She got the food. But it was my house. It was a it was a house of four. It was a literal house of four. My uncles were criminals. Uh, gun owners, drug dealers. Uh, my mother was kind of like abused because she was like a single sister. Um, she was also divorced. Like I never knew my father. Uh, I was kind of like a house slave uh, in my grandma's house where all of her uh, children lived there because it was a massive house. It was a house that was like three stories. She had about 10, 11 bedrooms. Uh, so it was when when she found out Basically, we made an, a, an agreement, you know, there was like a meeting between me, her and her brother. And we said, okay, like we're all dead to each other. And I said, that's fine by me because according to Alakha, you guys are not my family anyway. And so when I went to the Bedin, because I spoke to the judges, Dayani, multiple times throughout the journey. Not to, I wasn't, I didn't go to a Bedin. I did not go to the Jewish court uh, for the final uh, process where they test you and everything i had like for example rebecca uh, rivka uh she was like the secretary over there she would like talk to me i would try to learn how's it going how's you know how's your learning process going how, how are people accepting you are people realizing what you're doing what are the arabs like are, you know i'm like the arabs are not accepting me the same way they'll never accept you what are we even talking about them they're irrelevant Let's talk about something that matters. So my family did not accept that. I had one uncle who told me someone who um, converts, you know, it's it's a death sentence. And I said, so be it. That's literally what so they, I told So did them. they put a fatwa out on you? Uh, I, I don't know. A death edict? <laughs> I don't have... Uh, it's, it's you very difficult. Have you gotten any death things. threats from anyone? Oh, for sure, for sure. I've received death threats uh, in person. I've received death threats. Someone tried to stab me just over a year ago outside of my house. Uh, a couple of them, sorry, a couple of them tried to stab me. Uh, they tried to jump me outside. Um, for that reason, because they know that you converted. Because I converted and because I do some of that Israeli advocacy stuff, I run a website, I have my videos, I'm very vocal in my support. So what happened when Jewish they tried state. to stab you? What did you do? What happened? Well, Baruch Hashem, you know, he 
gave me limbs, power, strength, you know, some of them call me Shimshon, <laughs> but uh, I... Uh, Overpowered uh, them? Yeah. Yeah, they weren't... I'm a martial artist. I began practicing martial arts when I was 15. Um, wow. I, I used to live in Thailand for five years. I used to box really big uh, African-Americans huh. who are very talented, much more talented than these Arabs, are very powerful, very strong, wow. very technical. Uh, yeah, I can... I My self-confidence is through the roof when it comes to physical stuff, but I never really fight. I, I, I can count the amount of fights I had on the street and they're like around zero, one or two. Wow. Confidence does speak volumes sometimes. Okay, I have a whole list of questions here and I'll let you say anything that you want to say afterwards too if I didn't ask you something that you want to talk about, okay? But I know, you know, I told a few people I'm going to be interviewing you and so some of them had questions. Um, so one of them says here, uh, well, this is my question. I want, I want to ask you something on the positive side. What is the best thing about being Jewish that you found? The best thing about being Jewish that I found I feel like I became closer to God. And I feel like, you know, most people take that for granted. And yeah, that's probably the best are, thing. Are there other Arabs that you know that have converted to Judaism? I have met other Arabs who uh, were either in the process of converting or have converted. They weren't my friends or anything. They're just people I met, but their motives weren't good. Uh, their motives were not good? No. Why? What, why? Just, what was their reason? Oh, they either had a Jewish girlfriend or something of the sort. They were just doing it to get married. No, like they put a kippah on for five minutes to take it off afterwards. I've met some fake converts as well. I've met converts who are definitely not into the Jewish lifestyle. I was very vocal about it. I wrote like a massive letter to the Bet Din uh, before I even converted. And I said, this is what you call conversion. Kedat Mosheve Israel. I wrote them like crazy, crazy letters, and I would quote, I would quote Chazal, I would quote the Rambam, I would quote here in the letter, and I eventually, I, I, I kind of soothed myself to the point where it's like, oh yeah, like we kind of have to. I don't want to do anyone the kafschut or kafchova. That's what we so say. So give the we, benefit of the doubt. Yeah, exactly. So give the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, people say everyone, you know, makes tshuva eventually. Everyone uh, repents, returns to, repents. to God. Right. So let, let me ask you this. Um, did you ever try to missionize other people for lack of a better word? Like, do you ever try to like tell other Arabs or, or people, wow, you know what, this Islam stuff, you, you, you know, you really should check out Judaism? No, no. I, I did try that with Jews, though. <laughs> I did uh -huh. try that with Jews or anti-Jewish. So I was really into Kiruv, but uh, the more I tried, uh, the sadder I became. Yeah, I hear so, you. I hear so. you. Uh, are people that you meet now that you're Jewish, are, are some of them like suspicious of you when they hear that you're an Arab that converted to Judaism, that you're an Islamic, you were a Muslim Arab that converted Judaism to Judaism? Do you think that some of them might think that you're a spy or a plant or? A spy, definitely not, because I don't have the ability to spy on anything. Why am I going to spy on? Uh, do people suspect me? Sure. I'm sure there are people like that. Um, I don't really think about these things. I, I let that slide. It's, it's so irrelevant for me. You know, it's like small politics. It's okay. not, it doesn't phase me at all. 
Um, so, so on that question, what's the most frustrating thing that you often might face, uh, um, not just converting, but also speaking up for Israel as you do in the social media? I think it's the mockery of uh, Jewish things that are like misunderstood because it's so easy to misunderstand uh, Jewish tradition and Jewish culture from just like davening, you know, like going back and forth. People don't understand that. So they make, you know, uh, false claims, uh, fake stuff. Unfortunately, there are some Jewish people uh, I don't know if I can call them Jewish, you know, maybe ethnically, but uh, there are some Jewish people who are anti-Judaism and they go and they spread false information. Uh, there was this one uh, priest, a Christian priest who became Christian. He said he was originally Jewish and stuff. I used to watch his videos many years ago. I even forgot his name. It was like eight, nine years ago. And some Arabs, for example, would use what he says, you know, he just, he demonizes you know, everything. And it's just people like that. I don't know. It These are things you. that are different. It, it frustrates me because it's like, I know that's not what it is, but it's so hard for me to explain to you right now. And I kind of don't have three days to go over this. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. I hear you. Right. So sometimes I feel this. But one of the things that are really difficult for me to understand myself, I think, is uh, when the people go to Kivrei Tzadikim, so uh, graves for saints, some people, sometimes they can overdo it. And that sometimes is difficult for me to explain. Someone, someone sends me a clip and I'm like, explain this. I'm like, well, I don't know how. <laughs> uh, this is a question from a listener. From your perspective, do most Arabs in Israel and the Palestinian Authority support terrorism or would most prefer a peaceful coexistence with Israel? I think you kind of already best... answered that, but go ahead. Yeah, the vast majority definitely, definitely support terrorism. The vast majority, I would say over 90% are extremely happy when Jews die. Um, the reason we don't have that many terror attacks, terrorist attacks, is because, you know, not some people don't have that uh, hard power to go out and carry something. And some people kind of like value their own life and they don't want to go out and risk their own life. You know, you have so much at stake, you know, so it's. Yeah, the vast majority. The people aren't really interested in coexisting. They're just interested in like having a um, a high lifestyle or a lifestyle that just matches their desires. So sometimes well, they can have you... to play possum. I hear you. Uh, what do you what do you surmise is the root of terror amongst the Arabs in Israel and? and in the Palestinian Authority, in Gaza, etc. Well, I want to say it's Islam, but we also had some Christian terrorists in the past, um, unfortunately. Uh, someone said that on my videos, because I, in one of my older videos, I said, I don't really recall that many Christian terrorists. And the guy just pulled like 50 names. I was like, where did you get them? <laughs> so uh, apparently some Palestinian uh, nationalists who were Christian were kind of... Uh, uh, okay with Islam being the cultural centerpiece for the Palestinian people while not really practicing Islam or worshiping Allah. But, you know, anti-Semitism is global across the Middle East. It's everywhere. Uh, it started with Muhammad. It definitely started with him. 
you know, you're, he massacred you're, you're the Jews. You're likening it with anti-Semitism. We know that Muhammad also was a huge anti-Semite, wanted to wipe out the Jews when they wouldn't accept his version of of his religion. But it was successful in Saudi but Arabia. They used, but the Muslims also used terrorism, and you know, 9/11 against non-Jews as well. So how do you well, put that all together? I think they associate the big devil and the small devil, right? The big devil that is America and the small devil that is Israel. Right. Oh, it's the big devil that is Israel, but it's tiny. And the small devil is America that is carrying out Israel's will, the big devil. Uh, it's just, this is just the way it goes. Okay, so basically it's a tactic that they use it is. that uh, for their hatred. Okay. Um, do you think that... Um, Israelis are in denial when it comes to keep trying for peace with the PLO Arabs. Um, and what are we missing? For sure. We, we have no idea how damaging it is every time we're trying to make peace with them because they're not interested in peace. We should just listen to them, listen to their words. There are plenty of recordings, plenty of interviews. They have said that so many times. They are not interested in peace they said you know there are actual recordings of palestinian officials you know high ranks who said if we had a nuclear weapon it would be in tel aviv tomorrow exploding <laughs> you know so we would detonate every jewish city out there we would not leave a single jew they would be swimming in the sea so it's not it's, i don't understand how they don't see that i mean i think they see that they just like they overlook that for whatever reason and I think they just want to be so Western and European and they're trying to run away from every Jewish inch of them. You know, they, 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 they just don't, they're I know, more it's universal. so frustrating. They, they don't, yes. they don't have a Jewish education and they've been brought up as leftists, which is uh, in a sense, very universal, no God, right. Communism uh, and do I think what you they, want and liberalism in, in a bad sense, not in the good I sense. Think, I think they have some Jewish education, just a negative one, I think, uh, negative towards Judaism, but they don't have like the real proper Jewish education because people who live in Tel Aviv definitely know Jewish stuff. But So have you ever been in an argument with an Israeli saying, look, you don't understand, I'm an Arab, I'm telling you that you're never going to have peace with them because of A, B, C, D, E. Have you done I that have. before? Yes, have you won those arguments or what? No, they no. wouldn't listen. No, uh -huh. they said I'm delusional. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Crazy. Yeah. Um, you uh, concur that there was never such a thing as a quote-unquote Palestinian people that the Arabs here claim to be. So explain that to our listeners and why. Sure. Let's say people who live in Jerusalem and people who lived in Haifa and people who lived in Gaza, they weren't the same people. Uh, people who lived somewhere in the south, somewhere in the north, they were just like people that were scattered from all over the place. And I've heard the stories growing up. This family came from that part of the world. That family came from that part of the world. And most Arabs who are here are not really indigenous. Like some of them came a couple hundred years ago. Some of them came a hundred years ago. Some of them came 300 years ago. Yes, I know that during the Islamic conquest in the seventh century, uh, when Omar came to Jerusalem and conquered Jerusalem, uh, you know, the Muslims came here and they were like Islamizing this place and Arabs lived here for like 1400 years, but they were in the majority, in my opinion. And even if they were, their numbers definitely weren't that great. Um, most Arabs who came here during the past 
few centuries, it was just for work because, you know, it's it a great location. But it was a desolate country. There were very few people here, even in, even in, even in the time of uh, 1948, during the War of Independence, there were less than a million Jews here, almost half yeah. that number. Yeah. And yeah. Arabs even, you know. Of course, less. in terms of population, uh, in terms of numbers, the numbers were low. I don't think like you had millions here or anything. No, you had people. But if we're talking about um, races, I don't think, you know, there, there's no such thing as Palestinian people. It's just, it's, 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 it's absurd. And they know this. They, they, there's nothing, there's nothing that unites us. There's nothing that makes us Palestinians. We don't, have, we don't share nothing. We have nothing other than the language. Okay. And like, I took a DNA test, you know, my DNA test says I'm Coptic. I'm basically 66% Coptic. Coptic, uh, which is, yeah. which is Egyptian Christian. Which is Egyptian. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's like a, yeah, according to the DNA results, like it goes back 4,000 years BC from Egypt. But I also have some, uh, it's insane. I have some uh, Jewish DNA too. It shows Libyan, Karite Jew, Tunisian Jew, Yemenite Jew, uh, Moroccan Jew. So it's crazy because uh, my family, like if you Google my last name, you can actually see that my family here was here from like the 1700s. Like they were in Haifa and Akko and Acre and uh it's DNAs are just interesting. It's like you just stare, you just stare. It's it's just cities, countries, and your nations, and you're like, how? How did all these how people get together? together? Yeah. Yes. I I have to say to our listeners uh, that my father, when he was here, he's a Holocaust survivor, and when he came to the land of Israel, it was under British occupation. And uh, when he was here, if you called an Arab a Palestinian in those days, they would take umbrage from it. They would be insulted. They would either say, I'm a Southern Syrian or I'm an Egyptian. And the Jews were the Palestinians. That, if you said Palestinian, that meant Jews. And yes. my father was a Palestinian uh, on his passport, etc. Um, so it's just quite interesting that oh, it, they only... Uh, started calling themselves Palestinians in 1964, which by the way is before the 1967 Six-Day War when we liberated Judea and Samaria. Um, so there was no quote unquote occupied territories at that time, but uh, they still wanted to kill us. And that was with Yasser Arafat, who by the way was born in Egypt and nothing to do with Israel. Yeah. <laughs> it's just- My grandma funny. used to say, uh, uh, they used to call themselves Muhammadin, like the people of uh -huh. Muhammad. Uh-huh. That was their name. Yeah. 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 They said, uh, I asked her grandma, like, what were you before Israel? Because like I used to go to a Palestinian school. I grew up and I went to Palestinian school until fourth, fifth grade. Um my principal, my high school principal, not high school, it's just school. Uh her name was uh, Mary Kupti. And Mary Kupti, uh, by the the name Coptic. <laughs> Kupti. Uh -huh, uh, she's right, Egyptian. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Uh -huh. So Mary Kupti was a Christian. Uh, it was St. Michael's Greek Orthodox school. So um, we would uh, we would stand in like a perfectly straight line every day, like like militants. And we would sing Mautini, 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 which is like my homeland, my homeland. It's like Palestinian national anthem. And like everything in our school was Palestinian. We had the Palestinian flag everywhere. We would paint and we would like uh, write songs about Palestine. So she had like an agenda 
that was to just like enrich this Palestinian culture that didn't even exist. That she was creating it every day, and she was a Christian. It was a Christian Greek Orthodox school. So interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, what is your future? You're not married right now. Uh, are you looking to get married? Start a Jewish family? Raise Jewish children? Yes, of course. You know, I I want to raise. Uh, beautiful kids with beautiful peot. I want to watch them run around the house. Peot are the I had a dream. Yeah, that men wear, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if they were my kids in my dream because many, many, many years ago, many years before I even contemplated converting, I had a dream where I was on the Temple Mount, but there was nothing there. It was just the mount and it was just rocks. And I knew it was the Temple Mount. It was strange. It was like a mixture of old and new. And it was, dreams are like really... You know, they're slick. You know, they, sometimes they just like stuff slip out. You don't really know how to explain them or how to remember them, but they're slippery. But it's like, I remember kids running around with those side locks and they were singing to me and I was walking there. And I'm just singing and singing. I was dancing with them. And I heard the muazin, like the Arabic muazin, you know, the Allah, Akbar. but it wasn't in Arabic. It wasn't like Aramaic and it was beautiful it was, it's, I think it was one of the most amazing dreams I ever had I'm a dreamer I dream a lot I dream often I dream almost every single day I use cannabis to stop the dreams because many many dreams are traumatizing I had like a really rough childhood I uh, have a medical license uh, I was treated before I went to you know I had a psychologist I had uh you know, I, I don't know if I want to talk about this, but you know, I had a really rough life. You know, I had multiple suicide attempts. So they put me on psychiatrists too. You know, I had to go and meet them. Uh, they would give me, they would try to give me pills to, you know, just help me because I was very depressed. And my, you know, the real medicine, the medicine that helped me the most was Judaism. It just, it saved my life because it's crazy melancholy and then it's just now that i think about it it really was it, it it's the one thing that really brought me serenity it's the one thing that brought me peace and it made me i went home when i converted i always feel that i always say that to people like you know i'm home you know but sometimes you go home you knock on the door and you feel like a total stranger and that's how I feel sometimes when I try to explain to people why I converted, because nobody really buys it. You know what I mean? Uh, the religious ones uh, accept and love and hug me. Uh, Haredim, for example, which is like my favorite community, is I love everyone. And, uh, don't discriminate. But, you know, the Haredim are the ones who, uh, you know, you're a Jew, you've always been a Jew, which is what I said to the judges, the Dayanim, like when they asked me, why do you want to convert? I'm like, I've always been a Jew. <laughs> so that was my answer. I've always been, I don't know. I, I've always been. And then when I got my DNA tested and I saw that I actually was a Jew, I was like, it has to be real. And the Kaddish and the way it was just playing and it spoke to my soul and I'm crying and I, the way I just enjoy this and I enjoy the prayers and I enjoy the PU team and I enjoy the singing and I can sing and pray alone at home and I'll feel like I don't need anyone else. I don't feel like I don't need anything. But in terms of like marrying a Jew and living with a Jew, it's really difficult for me to explain and get into it because I'm an Arab. Um, if I was, you know, if I were something else, sure, marrying a Jew would be so easy and cool. And 
but there's this traumatizing uh, stain that comes with you being an Arab in Israel, unfortunately, uh, society. Also, I've, I've met a convert. I didn't know him personally, but I came across a convert to be more precise. Um, an Arab converted to Judaism, and he was basically our own uh, Simon Leviev, if you know that guy. Do you know who yeah, that is? Yeah, I saw the so, yeah. series, yeah. I did not see it, but I just see see the name everywhere, and I kind of. You saying he was a faker? He was a faker. Uh, he was playing a lot of Jewish girls. He was taking their money. Um, uh-huh. Apparently, he was kind of good looking, and he converted. And so it's it's really it's it's painful for me whenever I think about it because you know I never I didn't do this to marry a Jewish girl, but you know it's just like the cultural differences, the upbringings the way I feel like it's going to be so traumatizing for the kids when they grow up, they're going to, you have an Arab dad, you have this, you know, I don't want to hurt them. You think so? I always so? tell myself. You think yeah, so? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I think Israel is such different. a multifaceted society. You've got blacks marrying whites and, and Ashkenazi marrying Svaradim and older and younger and, and from immigrants marrying, you know, born Sabras here. It, it, anything goes here. Israel is such an open all society. Races. All races are great. All Israel, Judaism and Jews accept all races, except for this one that is right here in your face, who's trying to kill you every single day. It's very hard to trust this one, and I don't blame them. You know, I get it. Like whenever, you know, I I had multiple traumatizing uh, stories with Jewish women. I had one where I uh, I went on a date with a Yemenite girl, and I was I was trying to tell her how much I love the Yemenite culture because like I embraced it. You know, I've adopted the Yemenite culture at home. I, I do everything Yemenite. My Sidur is Yemenite. Right. Halal is the name of our Sidur. Uh, I do almost everything in Yemenite except for the Slichot because I really like the Iraqi version for the Slichot. Okay. And the Sephardic. And, you know, and I was so just telling her. what happened with like, this girl? So I, we went on to a restaurant and like we met, we clicked and it was just like total, it was just, coincidence and she insisted we should go out like real soon because i was like okay we can do this sometime in the future because i was like all right we can just talk for a while and then somehow i can slide in this little detail about me being an arab <laughs> and then i was like yeah like yeah, i got time you know so we went to a restaurant and then we went to a restaurant to eat same evening so after like 35 40 minutes we're talking everything's great and then i was just like praising the yemenites and the yemenite culture it's like wait what are you <laughs> she asked me this question and, and and i said i'm an arab and she just stared for like i believe like five or six seconds and she's like oh oh my, oh my 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 dad is is uh he's from he's up uh, my dad just got back from papa new guinea you know she just literally, literally said, my, my dad just got back from papa new guinea uh-huh. uh, okay she got up and left and then i had similar encounters uh, maybe they weren't as funny or as uh but you know what I, I understand how you can have more obstacles in front of you i do understand that but i i do think that there's that one for you called it besheret and you just got to keep on plugging away and god's gonna bring her to you the one that's meant for you i mean that's my advice sure. as a jewish mother just keep plugging away <laughs> Perseverance, as they say. Perseverance. Uh, okay. Uh, th- there's another question here. And then uh, um, 
if you were able, if you had the power, let's say you were the king of Israel or the prime minister of Israel, and you had complete power to be able to solve the uh, terror in Israel and somehow make it peaceful and safe for everybody living here, Jews, Arabs, Christians, everybody, whoever is here to not have to have terror attacks, et cetera, what would you do? First of all, I would get rid of the Palestinian Authority. I would disarm all Arabs. I would annex the entire state. I would make it a Jewish state. I would basically, um, I would guarantee equal rights for everyone. Everyone, everyone would be equal, except for the right to vote, uh, because that would demographically change the face of the, you know, the identity of the nation, the identity of the It's also the against state. the halakha that non-Jews don't have voting rights in Israel because Israel is a Jewish state. Yes, right. So, yeah, that, that's about, I think that solves everything. It's, you know, people are so, so scared. So disarm them, uh, take, uh, dismantle the Palestinian Authority, take all the guns away from the terrorists. And what about people who still want to do terror? If they don't have guns, you know, there were, there were terror attacks before there was a Palestinian Authority, Right. People made right. bombs, people uh, threw rocks, which killed people. What would you do with uh, that problem? Well, they would have to practice their own Islamic version of Kaddish, but they don't have it. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about it. Criminals are going to be everywhere. You have crime everywhere. So you wouldn't uh, do like a, um, uh, what's the word? A transfer, transferring these Arabs out of Israel? that hate Israel? I would transfer the ones who hate Israel and are open about it. If you're vocal about it, then you got to go. But if you are not, if you're just an Arab, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. But if we suspect, if we have some sort of a hint, if we can see that there's something that is linking you to terror, then you got to go. Mm -hmm. You don't belong here. You're going to take people's lives, innocent people who did not harm you, who did not, who did not choose anything. They were just born here or live here. Or we're forced to come here because, you know, there's so much anti-Semitism around the world. When is the last time you saw your mother or your family? My family? Um, in terms of family, I only have a mother and a sister and a daughter. My daughter, we don't meet often. We do talks from time to time on WhatsApp. How old is she um, now? She's uh, 11, turning 11. Uh, it's crazy. Time flies. Uh, my mother, uh, we don't really see face to face or eye to eye. Uh, if I, I remember one time I saw her in a grocery store. I don't know if you know Chetzi Chinam, which is like yeah. our version sure. of Walmart. <laughs> uh, basically, it's like a massive place in Rishon Litzion, which is a city. And I was just there and she saw me with like, I was wearing the tzitzit over my shirt. Some days I wear it over, some days I wear it under. Some days I don't wear it depending on what I'm doing. If I'm doing like stuff that are extremely physical and I'm sweating a lot, like, oh, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to because everything is like uh, teal, blue. Uh, all so of my she saw you wearing seats seat in the store and what happened? She, I, I looked like a proper Haredi because I had the black jacket, a white shirt and a tzitzit over it. And I was Original wearing like my, uh, Rabina, yeah. Yes, Rabbi Nachman, uh -huh. Kippa, and she just saw it and she's like, Stop for Allah, Azim. Stop for Allah. It's making these sounds and started like sweating. Got, she got out and left. So she didn't uh, hug so, and kiss you? and no, no, my mother did not hug or kiss me since I was five. Uh -huh. I don't know. I don't remember. I hear you. But yeah, no, no definitely not. No. 
Wow. So now we Are don't you, have do you have siblings? I have a, a sister. A sister. And how is she? Yeah. What's what's your relationship with her? Mm, it's it's not good. It's not bad. It's just we're brothers. We brother and sister. Uh, she's married. She has three kids. And she, she, Does she, she see you as a life. threat? Like if you went, no, no. Like if you no. went to visit her, she wouldn't think, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be killed or or targeted no. herself." Because no, no, of no. You? Uh huh. No. Because they're Muslims, they're proper Muslims. They're practicing. They're doing everything the way Muslims do. Uh, she says she's Palestinian and proud. She has a Palestinian flag at home. She has a Palestinian key of return above her door into huh. her house. Uh, uh -huh. So does my mother. Um, it's crazy, you know. Imagine like a picture in Ramadan where they're breaking fast and there's like a Palestinian flag and a Jew walks in with an Israeli flag and tzitziot and everything. But it's uh, what's we don't with your have father? That. I, I never met my father. My father had a um, troubled past. He uh, was deep into drugs and he eventually killed himself. So oh. I never got to, yeah, I never met him. Sorry. That's okay. And how old were you when that happened? He killed himself when I was 13, 14, but I, he never introduced himself during those years. I met him once, but I did not know he was my father. Uh, I, I saw him at a bus station. But when he died, then uh, the police, you know, they usually come. They knock on your door to offer their condolences and tell you, you know, father's dead. And you should probably go see him. That's what happened back then. Because um, he was found dead in his, in his home. Um, yeah, I was like, I know this guy. <laughs> Is that my dad? I met him once at a bus stop. So that was the, that was strange. It was strange because you're not allowed to listen to music or anything after someone dies in Islam and stuff. And I remember I just went back home. I sat down and I was just listening to Breaking Benjamin, which is like a rock band <laughs> uh, for uh, like a couple of days. I was trying to click everything, piece everything together. I was like, how do I know this guy? This guy's so familiar. Hmm. But, that's wow. the only thing that these are the only memories I have of my father. I have a couple more memories, but they're very, very, um, they're very violent. It was a very violent when I was five or six. Um, it's because my mother, she ruined his life. Uh, my mother, her brothers actually ruined his life. Not my mother. My mother was just uh, the vessel they used. Um, they conned him. They kind of like uh, used him as a scapegoat and uh, basically he got foreclosure for hundreds of thousands. Imagine like in the 90s, it was so easy to just calm people, right? Uh, it's easier to fake checks. You can just send out checks everywhere. You didn't have BDI like today. You didn't have ERN. You didn't have all these extra measures to secure uh, the deal and make sure no one's getting robbed or getting like um, right. scammed. So they scammed him and... He was very depressed because he kind of lost his life. But some people say he lost his life way before that when he began hanging out with people that weren't really good for him. And, you know, he took some ecstasy and he just went down the wrong path and when you threw said his that life away. When you said that your family was involved in crime, you have some uncles that are criminals. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us what kind of crime you're talking about? Uh, drugs, guns, um, protection, if people know what protection is. Protection is basically when someone knocks on your door, it's like, hello, I'd like to protect you. Protect me from what? From myself. 
right mafia <laughs> so mafia. yeah so that's mafia they just tax you so wow. they tax businesses do similar things if you want to go and build a house in their neighborhood for example they would make sure they will make it extremely uncomfortable for you to be there so you kind of have to pay them to live there so that's an extra rent you have to pay so and these nobody are the tries things. to stop i mean not even the arabs themselves don't like this nobody tries to stop them what happens? What do you mean the Arabs don't like this? The I mean, the, this. I mean, the Arabs don't like to be to get that knock in the door saying pay protection money or else. The yeah, regular Arabs, Arab citizens. But they don't do that to Arabs. Ah. They do that to Jews only. Oh, the Jews who live in Yafo, Jaffa. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Interesting. To demoralize them so they, so to demotivate them so they wouldn't really move to Yafo. Wow, that's interesting. And and so the police stay out of the neighborhood. They don't get involved. In uh, this? The police only helps those who are either wealthy or really have good connections. But sometimes the wealthy ones are the ones who don't mind paying. They're like, ah, I'll pay for this peace of mind. I got the money. I got the funds. Wow, so, that's interesting. Yeah. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to talk about that you wanted to share with people? Um, I don't know. I didn't prepare for this or anything. I just wanted to come freestyle and see what you want to talk about. And, and you know, I'm glad to talk to you. Uh, Malka mentioned you many times. And as, uh, you know, it's, it's an honor. I always enjoy when people... Uh, you know, are interested in my story and they want to hear about this and hear about my journey. It's, you know, it's, it's great. I appreciate you. Well, I want to thank, uh, take this opportunity to thank Malka for putting uh, us together because I didn't know about you. She was telling me about you and it was a fascinating story. I said, wow, you know, yeah, let's do an interview. It sounds great. And so she connected us together. So thank you, Malka. And uh, okay, so um, I want to thank you very much for coming on and sharing your experience with us. And I think that it's important that people take away hearing from you that there sadly is no way to have peace with people who hate you, who are anti-Semites. And I know that the whole thing, uh, the whole issue of anti-Semitism is really big today, especially in the West as well. And people think that, you know, we just have to do more Hasbara. We have to explain to people that we're really good people and you shouldn't hate the Jews. But you know what? It has never worked in history where the Jewish people have been able to win this war against anti-Semitism. Never. We always lose it. And the reason that we have anti-Semitism, just put this out, is because it doesn't make sense that people should hate us like this. It's a godly thing that God put into the world whenever the Jewish people are veering off course, we're not being the people he wants us to be, then we have anti-Semitism, which reminds us that we're Jewish, that we're not like everybody else in the sense where we are to assimilate. God didn't take us out of Egypt to be, as Rabbi Kahana used to say, to be Hebrew-speaking Portugal. He wants us <laughs> to be the Jewish people an Am Kadosh, a holy nation, to spread light to the world, to bring all of humanity up. And, and we should see the Mashiach soon. We should see the Messiah soon. Please, God. Bezrat Hashem. I dreamt about him. I dreamt about Rav Meir Kahan many years ago, before I even converted. It was really interesting because at that time, I wasn't really the biggest fan of Israel. But it was, it was a crazy dream because he came. It was crazy. I think about that dream a lot. 
he was going upstairs and there was like stairs and he was going up and he was breathing heavy and he was like sweating and he goes like i can't catch breath that's all he said to me was this after he died where he was killed or of course, before. he was killed in 1993. Right. He was killed in the 90s. All right, I, was, I forget you're young. You're young. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I turned 30 just last month. I turned okay. 30. But I have one thing I'd like to say. Yes. Um, there's this thing that is called the Israeli-Arab deception. Um, and that's, I feel like that's a very dangerous one. Most people think that, you know, these Arabs really want to be part of Israel, but that's not true. It's just, it's, it's all artificial. It's made belief. It's not coexistence. It's mere existence. So I would like people to keep that in mind because most people think just because there are some surveys out there, you know, there's like this survey that says only seven or 9%. Uh, well, that's not true. That's a fabricated number that someone made up. But there are surveys out there. We say that nowadays there are less Arabs who identify as Palestinians and they identify more as Israelis. But that's not true. It's just like, you can't trust these numbers. Did you want to finish the dream of Rabbi Meir Kahana, before we go? It was, it was crazy. He was going upstairs. It was in a building and in the building was a tower and the tower was dark and there were shadows like they were just like lurking everywhere. And it was like the tower was underwater. It was like water everywhere. And it was weird. It was like, I remember this dream of... And he was going upstairs and he goes, I can't catch a breath and help me. That's what he said. I can't catch a breath, help me. But I wasn't a Jew. I wasn't practicing Judaism. I didn't know much about anything. And I, I wasn't a fan of his, uh, I was, I'm an Arab. Uh, this guy, you know, like the way Arabs describe him, the way they paint him, not a positive image. But he said that and I felt for him in the dream. It was strange. It was genuine. He was like saying, help me. I don't know what Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, I want to thank you very much, Timor. And uh, if there are any available Jewish women who are looking to get married, got a nice, handsome Jewish boy here, Jewish man. <laughs> and Thank uh, you, Tamar. Thank My you, birth Tamar. name is Tamar. So it's, it's crazy. What is it? My birth name is Tamar. Is Tamar? Really? Yes. Tamar, Tamar. In it doesn't mean the same thing in Arabic? As, it means as the in... same exact thing, date fruit. Uh-huh, wow. So if anybody missed that, uh, Tamar is the date on a palm tree. And uh, the name Tamar is, is, they say it's very tall because the tree is tall and righteous, like straight, like a righteous and righteousness. And uh, one person described it to me, I was taking a tramp, a, a hitchhike when I was in the army somebody he asked me my name and I said Tamar he says oh so hard to get to the fruit but once you get to it it's so sweet <laughs> ah, awesome it was a That's flirt awesome. it was a flirt okay well Timor thank you. is also Tamar I'm just saying. <laughs> very nice very nice yes. thank you so much for being on the Tamar Yona show and for sharing your story with us and God should bless you and and you should be able to find your your soulmate soon and build a Bayit Neman Bisrael, a, a true Jewish home in Israel, and uh, have a good life. Please, God. May God bless us all. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs>